man, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. And I hope you brought your bathing suit. who is one of the nicest people, and uh, we're here to talk about a very nice game, and that is the game of golf. Uh, before we do, Christopher, salutations, man. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Very excited, as always, to join you on Nice Grass, Nice People. Yeah, man. Well, it's, uh, is this actually kind of an interesting time for us to get together because we're coming off a weekend of professional golf that even sickos like ourselves probably weren't paying too much attention to um which actually got me thinking a little bit before we started recording that i think it might be time to have a quick little discussion on like the zurich classic like the lone team event on the pga tour schedule and just where it fits and how we can make it better so i guess the first thing i'd start off with is did you get a chance to watch a lot of the the zurich classic this past weekend i watched three shots i watched i watched matt fitzpatrick hit a nine iron long on like the fifth hole on Friday and it like rolled across the car path, totally screwed his partner. I watched Max Homa stuff an iron on that exact same hole. And then I watched Matt Fitzpatrick brother hit the chip onto the green to like eight feet. And that was it. Those are the only three. And shots that was I it. Saw. And that was it. Those are the only three shots I saw. So, so I needless question. to say I was locked in. Yeah. Locked in. Like, so are you like me? Cause I, I watched maybe like an, hour or two of coverage on thursday and then i was out of town uh on a bachelor party all weekend so but i you know my youtube tv i auto record every professional you know all pga tour events so this morning monday morning i decided to put it on i had the little boy around we were hanging out we were playing i had golf on in the background i was i was watching a little bit and it kind of made me a little sad that you know as a guy who's been opining for years about how i wish there was just like a little bit of variation in the format the guys play on tour like we obviously have come to the conclusion that 72 hole stroke play is the best way to identify the best player over four days but i also don't think you need to do that all the time right and you know having a team event like the zurich i think is a really welcome change but to have this tournament two weeks after the masters and one week after they have a designated event directly following the masters it just feels like even golf fans like us are a little burnt out. We just kind of need like a week off. And I, I really wish this tournament was somewhere else on the calendar. How say you? I agree. I, I The Masters is such a heavy golf watching week for me. I, I was so locked in. I, I, I honestly, obviously I missed some shots during the Masters, but I felt like I was so locked in. I watched everything. I was... I even watched Sunday when some people said it was boring. I, I was just locked in at the Masters. Harbortown is not a favorite event, but I do end up backing my way into watching that one a little bit. And then the Zurich, it's just, yeah, it's just so far off my radar, especially with, like, good NBA games going on, NHL hockey starting, but NHL playoffs starting, which I'm not super into, but, like, you know, those are always on as well. It just, the They're Zurich compelling, though. Like, very very yeah, compelling. As a fellow not, like, as a fellow sports fan who doesn't necessarily watch a lot of hockey, Stuff to turn off a Stanley Cup playoff game. Yeah, it's super fun, man. They're really, really fun. So the poor Zurich just gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. It feels like a, feels like the Zurich's just drowning a, a, in it's amongst in like big waves, you know, in the ocean. It's one of those things where it's like a, a swimmer that can't get up. It's like it gets hit by a wave, gets put in the washing machine, then comes up for air for thirty for three four seconds just to get hit by another wave. You know, it's just there's just it's like oh yeah, I'll watch the Zurich for a second. You watch two shots and you're like, well, let me flip back over to Lakers Grizz. And then it's just it's just not it just doesn't stand a chance, unfortunately. Yeah, like, do you think it would have? I don't know. Do you think you would have watched more, or there would have been more eyeballs on this golf tournament if the Heritage hadn't been a designated event where all the top players were playing just a couple days after leaving Augusta? Or do you think yeah, that's just kind of like hey, just, man, you're in the middle of major season? It's just. You know, I don't know. I think if they just switch Heritage and Zurich, I would watch the Zurich way more. Like if they just if they just if they just switched them, 
Like if it was just Masters and then Masters straight to team event, just as like a little decompress and it's like, wow, we just watched the major. That was insane. And then you go into like a funky format team event. The guys don't have to like are hitting half as many shots on the alt shot thing. You know, they can pick up their ball on best ball if their partner's in for birdie. Like just to kind of like that. I feel like that would be such a good decompression week after a major, you know. So I, I don't even think it needs to like move in the calendar to like the fall or like you know it needs to i don't think it needs a whole overhaul it's like just switch it with the heritage and i mean the heritage has been traditionally forever the week after the master so obviously who knows if that switch will ever happen but i i think the zurich would be incredibly compelling tv if it was literally last week yeah that's a good point i hadn't thought about that one yet but actually it makes a lot of sense you know an event where everybody can get there and hit half the amount of golf shots they normally would but would actually be a pretty nice little major wrap-up oh for sure it'd be great and then and then you could roll into the heritage right now and then the you know did be a designated event best players in the world would come you know like you could kind of ramp up a little bit and then i mean now we're we're hitting the stride of golf season right like we've got a major every month for the next three months uh so it's it's you know we're in full swing right now um so I, I don't know having a little bit of time having that designated event be part of the lead up to the next event would be nice as opposed to the come down of the last major right like if the heritage could somehow find a, not somehow but if the heritage could be an event that is designated and then used as a build up to um, the PGA championship as opposed to a wind down from Augusta I think that would benefit the heritage also like I, I think it could it'll and it'll help paint a better picture of who is uh, who is playing well yeah now, I'm going to put a bookmark on this because I do want to bitch a little bit about the PGA Tour calendar. It would, you know, it's, it's a tradition here. Even the last couple of years when we were doing the Golf Guide podcast, I feel like, you know, complaining and thinking about ways to make the PGA Tour calendar even better is always something I enjoy. But I, I do want to bookmark that because if we're talking about the heritage, I haven't actually got a chance to talk to you since the Masters. So I do want to get some quick thoughts on everything that happened at Augusta from you. But also at the heritage. It was going around a lot on social media, and so much so that I wasn't actually tuned in live for it. I had to go back on Sunday night and watch a big portion of the final round because people kept talking about John Rahm. Not necessarily that he won, but how he went into the booth or basically put a put a mic on uh, and basically was doing play-by-play, kind of com- you know commentating on all the action after he'd finished his round on Sunday. And it was so awesome, dude. I was so impressed by how good he was. And... I, I was curious if you got a chance to listen or, or see any of that yourself. Uh, yeah, I did, and it was unbelievable. I mean, I don't understand why more pros wouldn't want to do that, you know? I mean, I, I guess I can understand a little bit if I really put myself in their shoes, but it seems like a <laughs> no-brainer. Like, if you made the cut, but were you know, you're going off at 7.30 on Sunday, you're the first or second or third group— you could give the viewer so much context by just coming in the booth for an hour while or 30 minutes or something while the leaders are playing, you know, the meat of the back nine, let's say 13, 14, 15, you know, you could really just be like, dude, that pin is way harder than it looks like. It looks like it's right in the middle, but it's, you know, it's actually got this and that protecting it. Like you can just, you'll just be able to, the, the guys who actually played the event will be able to frame it a lot better than the analysts will. Not to say that the analysts are bad at their job. They're great at their job, but they're, they're, the player will just be able to add that one extra little layer that will uh, make the viewing experience that much better. So, yeah, I was blown away with John Rom. John Rom, I mean, is obviously going to have a career in broadcasting afterwards if he wants it, but, you know, he also could be one of those guys that wins 14 majors and, you know, sails off into the sunset, you know. So it could, it could go either way. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, it was unbelievable. I thought it was really, really good, and I'm happy they did it, and I'm happy he was okay with doing it. Yeah, you made a good point because I – I have, you know, I've listened to John Rahm off the golf course on several occasions, most notably, I think just a couple of months ago, I think, I want to say right after he won in Hawaii, he came on and did like an hour long interview on the No Laying Up podcast, and he was phenomenal. He he was really interesting, really insightful, very honest, you know, very, very candid. And when I was listening to him at the Heritage, I was kind of trying to figure out whether or not it was great because it's John Rahm. Or like you said, it if in that particular case it had more to do with somebody who had played the golf course that day in those conditions and was able to offer insight that you just wouldn't be able to, you know, you just wouldn't have access to unless you were playing in the tournament. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Tough. it's I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like I think John Rahm's great at it, but I think at the end of the day, I think anybody that's relatively personable and had played the golf course that day and has a high golf IQ, which all of those guys have, 
it, it's going to be just unbelievable to listen to them talk about the golf course, right? Because they're going to be able to give you so many things that you wouldn't have even picked up on, right? And they'll just be able to frame the what the leaders are doing with that much better. So yeah, I it was I thought it was awesome, man. I was super super into it. How, how do we work this into like your PIP requirement? Right, like oh, all, wow. all of like the twenty top players in the world are basically like required to do one Sunday if they are not part of the last like X amount of groups. They got to come on and do like an hour because man, it did as good as Jim Nance and as good as Trevor Immelman are, and they really are unbelievable, unbelievable at what they yeah. do. Trevor's Just having that that extra little insight of like the knowledge of the course that day as the leaders are coming down the back nine on Sunday was such a fucking treat that I'm I'm the junkie that I am. I immediately want more. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 almost I I'd argue that it's almost a little bit better than that whole thing that uh CBS is doing, I think, where they put a AirPod in a player's ears and have and like walk yeah, yeah. a hole with them. I'd argue that this is almost like a little bit better, you know? And I I enjoyed the whole the playing a hole with players. Like I've actually enjoyed that as well. Uh again, I'm yep. a junk I'm a tour junkie, so I'm going to like a lot of the stuff that they do. Uh, but I do enjoy. I did enjoy having Ram in the booth a little bit more. Phil, I know Phil has done it in the past. I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about Phil anymore, but I know Phil's definitely done it in the past. Tiger has done it at Riviera, but he's not that great at it. Whatever. Uh, but Phil, Phil was fucking phenomenal. Pardon my French, phenomenal. But I, if you dude. remember, it was the the 2020 PGA Championship that Morikawa won. Yep, he was in the booth and he was just pantsing Faldo. He he was just running circles. Around the man who's who's had that job in the A position for like two decades, and it was like, oh my god, Phil, if he ever gets a chance to do this, he is going to be the best that the best there's ever been. But in the moment, I wasn't thinking the way that we're thinking right now, where how much of it had to do with the fact that he'd played the golf course that day. I I still don't know. I I think it's got to. I think it has to be something, right? I think it has to be something because at the end of the day, like if you hadn't played the golf course that day, you would be doing exactly what Trevor Amelman did. Because Trevor Amelman is high golf IQ, very eloquent, has been there, you know, has won major, has a major, won a major championship, has won tour events, has been there, right? But he didn't play the golf course that day. So there's a certain level of what he's saying that is, you know, him opining on what he's seeing or him making inferences based on what he's seeing. And he's openly said that, I think, in other podcasts, right? Where he goes like, yeah, you know, there's a certain point of me where I have to, if you're not going to tell me something before the round or after the round about what happened, I'm going to have to make an inference and try to connect the dots in order to make the product entertaining, right? So, and Trevor's great at that and great at what he does. And that's a good thing, right? Because it's a more entertaining product. But for someone that is actually playing the golf course that day, they'll be able to add just that extra 10% that Trevor can't add. And that's not to say that Trevor yeah. isn't capable of it. It's just that Trevor is not wearing those shoes in that moment, right? So he can't, like, it's just a different plate. You know, they're just serving different dishes. They're serving up different dishes for us. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it has to, I think I would, you know, even non-personable guys, I'm sure, would be pretty good at it, right? Especially just talking about the golf course that they had played that day. So, For sure. I, 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 how, how tough do you think it would be to convince any of like the top 20 players not named Max Homa to be able to do something like that on the Sundays that maybe they're not in the last, let's just say 12 groups. I don't know. I think it depends on what time their private jet leaves, you know, like if they're flying on a private jet with someone that's in the final group and they have to wait anyway, I'm sure they do it, you know, but if, you know, Jordan and Justin play one group apart from each other and are flying out of town in 20 minutes after their round ends, I don't think they do it. So I, you know, that is a somewhat tongue in cheek comment. Uh, PJs do offer think, a lot, lot of flexibility. I think it. I think it's. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do. They do offer all. They literally quite, quite literally, will <laughs> offer all the flexibility. Like it could not get more flexible. <laughs> you can use your phone on PJs, dude. Like, it's insane. Um, but uh, what a world! What a world! Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it might be harder. I, I don't know. I'm. I've been shocked at how many people are open to doing the walk and talks, like the walking on a hole and talking. Same. So. I think I think we're not giving the PGA Tour guys as much credit, right, as we should. I think those guys are probably more keen on doing that than we we think they are. Yeah. A- any thoughts on uh, Rory skipping out on the Heritage and forfeiting three million bucks of his his, his pit money? You got any? I, obviously, none of us have any insight as to exactly what's going on. We can only just mindlessly and recklessly speculate. I, it, it, it seems like a good opportunity to do that. I'm like picked Rory to win the Masters. I was very disappointed when he missed the cut. Uh, I will apologize for that pick, but uh, your uh, your your pool uh, didn't didn't do the best. Oh my god, dude! I was I was yeah whatever. We can... M- mainly just because of the Rory pick. 
I, I, Everything else was actually fine. I'll be 100% G real, dude. I cannot pick a Masters to save my fucking life, dude. I've never had a good... <laughs> I will rip Everybody up... Everybody remember this for next year's Masters preview. Yeah, yeah. Please, please. Put, guys, <laughs> put a bookmark in this, dude. I It's the same fucking golf course every year, and I can't figure out who the fuck plays good, dude. It drives me nuts, dude. But, like, going to other golf courses, the U.S. Open... I think I finished, like, third in the U.S. Open pool last year. Like, U.S. Open, I got that shit unlocked, dude. But the Masters is just an... I am Rory, dude. I can't figure out the Masters, dude. I'm, I might, I may never win there, dude. Me, my pool performance in the Masters is very similar to Rory's actual Masters performance. So I empathize greatly with how that man feels. <laughs> but, uh, but Rory as, Durr over here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're one and the same, dude. Me and him. Uh, but as as far as him skipping the Heritage, uh, I. Uh, Again, this is just reckless speculation. You yeah. don't have to have any facts or research. You, you you can just shoot shoot right off the top. Obviously, it's a bad look, dude. Obviously, it's a really bad look. I, It's weird because if he just skipped it to skipped it, it's a bad look. Also, respect the hell out of it because he's just like, fuck this. I'm not going, which is kind of sick because Ro- only Rory can do that, really. You know, He's just like, fuck it's that. It's nice to have that much money where it's like $3 million bucks. Do yeah, not care. It's, worth a weekend off. It's like through. It's like three hundred dollars to you or I, right? <laughs> but it, it's just got a, a, a few more zeros. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's somewhat. It's I'm not the proud. I don't love it. I'm not going to defend it. Uh, I do think it is slightly badass just for him to be like, "Fuck it, I'm not going." I wish he would have played. I don't think he's being as hypocritical as everyone says he is, where they're like, "Dude, you know, he's got to play. He keeps flying the flag for the PGA Tour." You know, I don't know. Um, I feel like if anything, that gives him more leeway to kind of just do what he needs to do to keep himself together. Yeah, exactly. So if Rory feels like he's got too much things on his plate and you want to take a week off, dude, I'm going to let the man do it. So again, Rory apologist over here. I love Rory. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. But yeah, I don't know. Whatever, dude. He If he wants to skip an event, he can skip a goddamn event, dude. And I just hope that he's not injured. You know, I hope that it's not like, yeah, Rory's tore his ACL and didn't tell anyone or something. And I'm just going to be like, no. That that would be Worst super case. unideal. Yeah. Um. And actually, you know, I hope you're not prefacing because we are going to talk another injury on this uh, this podcast that none of us really want to discuss. But do you think he was probably? Do you think he was going to skip the Heritage? No matter what happened at Augusta, like if he wins, no. if Rory wins the Grand Slam and wins the Green Jacket, and he's you know coming off the side of this thing he's been shooting for for a decade, right? That he's just been asked about, has been thinking about for the majority of his adult life. Does he turn around four, four days later and play at Harbortown? Well, I think he does. That'd be a that'd be like yeah. a, that'd be a that'd be a coronation. That'd be a walk in the park, dude. He'd be kissing babies and like signing tits. Like it would be just it would be the great. It'd be the Hell like, yeah, brother. Yeah, it'd be just it'd be it would. Yeah, I think he would play just like John Rom did. John Rom. John Rom gave that like very cliche answer of like you know kids come out to see John Rom play the Masters Champ, so I want to give him that opportunity. It wasn't that. John Rom didn't give a fuck about the heritage. John Rom just rolled in like, dude, I'm the Masters Champ. I they're gonna pay me, so I'm gonna go. And ever all everyone's gonna want to talk about is how awesome I am because I just won the Masters. Which is exactly what would have happened to Rory. So Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, and I mean those guys all have big egos, right? Like they can't they're not you can't lie. Like like those guys can't lie. They all have huge egos. So like yeah to go play a cool golf course, make some money, and just have everybody on property and within 40 miles of that town stroke your ego for four days, like, that's not a really hard come down, you know? Like, that's that's fine. Like, everyone's just going to tell you how awesome you are. He said that, like, every single hole someone was shouting out, like, Master Champ, like, good job. And it's like, dude, imagine just hearing that, like, just playing golf and, like, everyone's just like, imagine you beat your buddy last week and then you just go play at your course, you know, you'll play Northwood and everyone is just yelling at you like, Kyle fucking whooped up on Jake. You just be like, yeah, I did, dude. This is, this is awesome, dude. I love yes. this. Yes, I did. <laughs> exactly, dude. So I don't know. I, I don't, I think he would have, I don't think he would have skipped it. I think he skipped, I think it's bad because I think he skipped it because he missed the cut. He's like, I don't want to deal with it. I think he's, I think he's being a little grumpy boy. I need, need to go into my what 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 is it called the the the, the Rogan thing where he goes in the, the, the oh, sen- yeah. sensory deprivation tank Semper- yeah, yeah. That, that's what that's what he needs his chamber of three reflection, weeks in the tank dude. yeah three weeks yeah. in his chamber of reflection dude he's just gonna sit there and think about all the full things Aaron Rodgers silent retreat mode yeah. speaking of which you know glad glad to see he finally made the Jets today I was I was wondering if that, I didn't know if that was ever gonna fucking happen yeah dude I whatever dude he's sixty. <laughs> well, he's your guy because he's, he's a Chico head, so he's your dude. He's a pri- yeah, the pride of Chico, California, yeah, man. He's the, he's the best athlete in the history of the town, just, just barely ahead of Mr. Kurt Kitayama. Uh, there we go. But yeah, I mean, good for good for Aaron. Like, good for good for the Jets. 
uh, just awesome having another awesome quarterback in the AFC for Justin Herbert to go against. Great, dude, great. Now just a, more yeah. badasses for me to try to beat on the way to the Super Bowl, which is now, just now, looking hold more on, just and more one, probable every second. Now hold on, just one second here, because since we are talking on the week of the NFL draft, I do have to, I do have to ask this to you because I feel like I have posed this question to you in the past, and based on the year, I feel like I, I sometimes get varied answers. Krister, as a lifelong and current resident of San Diego, California, where do you currently stand on your personal relationship with the Los Angeles Chargers? Uh, okay, so I will tell you the truth. This, <laughs> oh, is, this is the truth. God, it felt like a lifetime to just breathe out. Uh, I know it's a heavy question, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job as a podcast host unless I really hit you with the hard ones. So when I... The Chargers left when I was living in San Francisco, and that first year they were gone, I was like, I renounced the team. I was like, you screw these guys, fucking Dean Spano sucks, ownership sucks. Like, I can't believe they left. This is bullshit. Uh, and then we made a playoff run, and it was like week <laughs> eleven, and we were in the hunt, and we were looking like we were going to win the division, and I was fully back. So I, I renounced the Chargers for about ten or eleven weeks, and I don't even remember what season that was. I think it was twenty. I must have been. It must have been twenty sixteen or something. I can't even remember when they left, which is also pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. I renounced them for like ten weeks, and then when they made the playoff run, I was back on. I was back on the bandwagon. So this is my current relationship. Every single dude who wears a Chargers uniform is my fucking dude. Like they're my guys. If you're throwing on the powder blues on Sunday. And you're going to go battle for San Diego because that they're playing for San Diego. They're not playing for L.A. You can say whatever you want. They recognize themselves as the San Diego Chargers. I can see it in their eyes. So despite all the people that wrote the Chargers off, I think it is very, very possible. There are still more Chargers fans in San Diego than there are in L.A. I think I think for sure. I think um, of, as far as me and my buddies go, most of all of us are still Charger fans. So I can attest to okay. that. I, I think that's very true. So. My whole thing is if you if you wear a Chargers jersey, you're my dude. I'm going to dap you up. You're on my squad. You're my guy. If I see Dean Spanos in person, I might hit him. Like it's just it's it's fades on sight, dude. It's fades on sight. Like there's no like it's <laughs> on sight. On sight, dude. It's I can't I like nothing would make me happier than to just like see him at a dinner table and just like pull his chair back, you know, like some some like sixth grade prank, you know, just be like, fuck, thing, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that would actually be even more fun than like probably, you know, like just popping him in the faces, you know, just see him casually start to sit down and just pull the chair off from under oh. him. That, that would be, that would be the move. Oh, yeah, just like some high school hijinks, dude, like some middle school hijinks. Like that's all, like, because that guy treated us like we were idiots, so I'm, I'll return the favor, dude. I'll treat you like an idiot. Well, know what I'll do, too, if I ever see him in a restaurant, too, I'll put my tab on his tab. I'll tell the waiter, like, instead of, you know how, like, sometimes you see people and you're like, oh, can you send over, like, a bottle of wine over to that person? Or, like, tell that person I'm going to buy their appetizers or whatever, you know, because you're trying to, like, just flex for some reason in a restaurant. If I ever if I ever see Dean Spanos in a restaurant, I'm just going to lean to the waitress and be like, he's actually my friend. He told me he was going to get my tab for me, so can you can just put my tab on his bill. And I'm just walking the hell out of that restaurant, dude. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm, pull, like, I'm pulling shit like that. I'm doing petty shit to Dean Spanos if I ever see him, dude. Screw that guy. <laughs> I would certainly hope so. So, is there any thoughts like uh, with with the NFL draft a couple days away? What what are the Chargers, you know, reportedly going to be doing? What are they looking for? I mean, I, I have to admit, I've not been delving very deep into uh, Chargerdom, but I know there's a lot of Charger fans out there, including one of my other regular, one of our other regular co-hosts uh, in, for the Past Golf Guide podcast, Mark Tappanis. My buddy got him. Huge Charger fans, Let's go. massive Charger fans. Let's go. Um, and so I, you know, Charger season ticket holders still, still to this day. Um, and so for those guys, I mean, what what are the Chargers looking at? I mean, what do what, what do you guys need? I don't know what the official. I didn't know if you knew board. you were going to be talking NFL draft on this podcast, but now now I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I I am not very in tune with the Chargers big board. I haven't been watching the big board very much. From my eye test, from what I saw last year, <laughs> we need uh, a fucking shit, dude. We need our de- a lot. We need a lot. Our defense was not good. We signed all these big name defensive players last year, and they didn't really do anything. And then I'm always down for more like for more badass O linemen. I'm down for I'm down for edge rushers. I want people that fucking get after the quarterback, and I want people that protect the quarterback. So I think that shit's elite. Our skill position players are fine. They're injury prone. Uh, you know, hopefully we can sneak away with someone cool in like the sixth or seventh round. But I want some like elite linemen on either side of the ball 
that's just like a freak athlete, like some Georgia dude that's like 370 pounds, runs like a 4-4, and like eats people. Like, you know, I, just, I want one of those guys. Badly. Well, I think it's like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern is obviously pretty good. Rashawn Slater, assuming he's healthy. Yeah, Rashawn Slater's unreal. Rashawn Slater's so good, but he tore his ACL. He just needs or some help. Yeah, yeah, he needs some help. And then, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think what you guys need is some sort of paranormal phenomena to come in and just body snatch Brandon Staley and maybe put somebody that's like halfway competent. Into his body. I was. Um, I was. Fully, whether or not that happens, I don't know. I was fully on the Sean Payton band. Like I thought Sean Payton was coming. There was like pictures of Sean Payton in SoFi Stadium, like with his little binoculars, <laughs> like watching the game in the stands. I'm like, dude, this dude is just like paying hard-earned dollars on his retirement to go watch Charger games. Like my dude is coming to San Diego, not LA, San Diego. He's coming to coach to coach the Chargers, dude. Like I know he is, and and then. And then we made the playoffs, so I was like, "Oh man, we made the playoffs! Like, there, that's probably going to be a reason to keep Brandon Staley. Uh, if if we lose the first round, maybe we can fire him. We'll see." And then we yeah, catastrophically then they, blow. Yeah, then they that blow a twenty-seven point lead. The, You're like, "Oh, maybe, most, maybe he's out after all." I thought. I thought after he blew that twenty-seven point, I was like, "Bro, fuck that! Like, he's gone, dude. Get this twerp out of here, dude. Like, I get this it. Is worse than missing the playoffs. I get it. Data is cool, dude. Get this twerp out of here, dude. I want Sean Payton in there, just." like yelling at people i oh dude yeah so i don't know i don't know dude it's just the chargers are just riddled with incompetence right and 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 at least i have justin herbert to root for for the next 20 years like i've i've been very blessed to have uh i've had one quarterback that was arguably widely regarded as like the best quarterback of his generation to not win a super bowl i'm staring at another quarterback that is probably widely going to be regarded as the best quarterback of his generation to not win a super bowl so you know it's it's just it's just it's just fine. That's just what we do, I guess. But at least Justin Herbert makes the ride fun. Man, I really wish that Dean would have just sacked up and and hired Sean Payton. I, I I can't remember exactly what the Denver Broncos paid, but I kept thinking to myself, man, what if someone like Sean Payton had Justin fucking Herbert? How sick would that be? I feel like football fans everywhere, not just Charger fans, oh. But I feel like casuals like myself w- would have been like, man, I got, I got to watch and see what fucking Herbert does this week. Oh, dude, and uh, so to be sick. deprived of that and watch him try to rehabilitate Russell Wilson, just I feel cheated. That's all. I, 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 I just gonna say I feel cheated. I hate it for. I always. am cheated. I'm. I, I got cheated out of it. I got cheated out of this. So it's fine, dude. The Chargers are just gonna be incompetent again. We'll probably go ten and seven and lose in the first or second round. Uh, so you know, just. I, you fucking, we're so incompetent, it's insane, dude. Um, but, but at least we got just. I just hope. Well, just, as I say, allow me to segue here because feeling, you know, speaking of feeling cheated, I feel like it would be malpractice on our parts to have gotten half an hour into a golf podcast without mentioning some news that was dropped. I think it was initially by Bob Herrig in Sports Illustrated last week, but uh, the greatest golfer of all of our lifetimes and either the second best golfer of all time or the first best, you know, the best golfer of all time. Mr. Tiger Woods um, is out indefinitely. Uh, he, there, were, there was a report saying that he had, go, had to go have surgery on his ankle, the same ankle that I heard some some report uh, or, or heard someone talking. So, again, I don't have the sourcing on this, but it might have been somebody that was in Tiger's pairing on Saturday saying that the reason the limp was so bad is because he had like a bone or he had something in a surgically repaired ankle that was sticking out of the fucking skin. And I was just like, what? And then all of a sudden there's just a couple days of silence from Tiger Woods and all of a sudden the next week, bam, surgery on the ankle. Obviously devastating for golf fans like you and me because, I mean, I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to figure out that watching Tiger Woods is really fun. Uh, even even late, you know, late career Tiger Woods. Um but there was a lot of people out there. I, I I don't know if I was totally in this camp, but there was a lot of people out there that were thinking Tiger back at Hoylake at the Open Championship, flat terrain, not a lot of you know, not a lot of walking up and a lot of walking down. It was it was just going to be a prime prime spot for Tiger to jump back in and be competitive. Now, you could also have said something similar uh, for last year at St Andrews that did not go so well. There was a miscut, but I I, I do want to get your initial reaction to the news of Tiger's surgery and kind of what you think is is rational for us to expect going forward. Oh man, I don't I was so bummed when I saw that. I know, as a, I know as it's a tough, Tiger man. Stand. It's tight. It's I was, I was so know, bummed. 
These are it. We have difficult conversations here on Nice Crass Nice Nice People. Not because they're nice conversations, but because in order to be nice people, we have to have these conversations, Christopher. It's true. I at this point in my Tiger fandom, I just want him to be healthy and happy. I don't care if I never see him play golf again. I mm. was very, very lucky to get into golf at a relatively young age, so I have memories of watching Tiger in like 2005, 2006. I saw him in 06, 07, and 08 in person win back-to-back-to-back Buick Invitationals, like which is now the Farmers Insurance Open. But like, I have memories of watching him make putts. I I saw arguably peak Tiger in person as a kid. Uh, several times, multiple times. So I yeah. I consider myself very, very lucky to have lived through that and have memories of that. There are so many of my golf buddies that didn't start watching Tiger until 2013, 2014, you know, and it's like, man, that was, I mean, it was almost done at that point. Not done, that's a bad word, but like, you know, it was, it, it wasn't what it was at that point, you know? So I, I consider myself very lucky to have had those Tiger experiences. So at this point, I just, I, he's given me everything, right? As, and he didn't even give me anything, but he's given me so many memories. I've watched so many golf tournaments. I've watched him win so many times. I remember watching him win Bridgestone on TV. I just, I remember the old Buick classic, which used to be at Warwick Hills in Michigan, dude. Like I remember him winning that one. Like, I, I don't know. I remember so many like wins that I saw. So at this point, I just want Tiger to be healthy and to like, have a decently high quality of life and if that means that he never plays golf again so be it it's sad that like that is a very true reality for someone who's whatever 47 years old 46 years old like he's not that old you know like he's not suit he's not like he's not like a decrepit old man he's still five years away from being the age that phil mickelson won the pga championship at. exactly but like He's like it's like an MMA fighter, you know. Like there, yeah, he's twenty eight, but like he's been fighting in the MMA for six. You can years. only you can only take so many shots. You can only take so many shots, dude. And Tiger's taking all of them, you know. Tiger's taking all of the shots. So he's he's forty seven or whatever he is, going on sixty five. And fuck, it looks like it sometimes. It looks like it when you watch it, you know. So, uh, which is sad and terrible, and 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 it makes me and it bums me out. But like, I don't need anything else from Tiger. I I I don't need anything else from Tiger. I don't need to. I don't want to watch him play golf anymore. It was sad watching him at the Masters, dude. It was like really sad. And they and fucking they would not leave him alone too. They were watching every shot. It was telecast and it was all on there. And I, there was like a certain point on Friday where I was like, dude, I don't want to see this anymore. Like, I just this isn't good. Like, he's not good. And and look and, away. Yeah, he's not good. And on top of that, dude, he's fucking. He's not good. And on top of that, it doesn't look like he's having fun. Like, even when he was a killer in, like, 06, and he had, like, that scowl going, and he looked mean and angry, he'd hit those shots sometimes, and the camera would catch him looking at Stevie and giving Stevie that look, like, oof, I'm, I'm that fucking dude. And like, he would just be, like, kind of smi- like half-smiling or, like, hiding a smile, and you'd be like, yeah, dude, he is that fucking dude. And and that's just not there anymore, dude. He knows he's not the dude. So, I don't want to watch it, Tiger. It sounds to me like dude. you are, uh, you think there's a 0% chance we see Tiger Woods play at least this year. I think it's a 0% chance we see him play this year. I think it's probably like a 20 or 30% chance we see Tiger play again. I'm just good, dude. Like, you know, I don't want to finish the dish. You can take it back to the kitchen. I'm done. I'm done. I feel like we've had this conversation so many times, and he keeps proving us wrong by coming back. But at some point, there's going to be an injury or something that happens where he doesn't come back. Yeah. And, man, it would feel weird for the last time we see Tiger Woods play really competitive golf hobbling around a rainy Saturday at Augusta. God, it'd be... That just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel... I mean, I'm telling you, I don't think that will be the last time we see him play competitive golf, right? Like, he will come back. He will do his final Masters. He will get his swan song, right? Like, he will get the the ovation. He will get the... He will let us know. It will... Like, there's no way his camp won't let them do that because that's also a marketable moment, right? Like, Tiger's goodbye to Augusta. Um, But I think... I think he... I think for all intents and purposes, he officially put to bed his competitive playing career at Augusta two weeks ago. Like his his like uh, his ability to compete and win, I think, has officially been been put to bed. Now, that being said, if Tiger proves me wrong, I will be the first person to be stoked about it. Right. But it, it just did look like that to me. It just really did look like that to me. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if he came back too soon. Fuck I mean, yeah, I know we did. were all stoked last year at Augusta, but I wonder if, like, with this ankle thing, if it was inevitable, like, whenever he started playing again, a year later it was just going to backfire on him, so maybe it's better to just get it out of the way, but it is, despite how hard it was to watch him at Augusta, I, I'm torn because it's going to make the next three majors, I don't want to say less exciting. I mean, anytime Tiger's in the field, there's just a little bit of pomp and circumstance it's just it feels a little bit more elevated, like, oh, yeah, man, the fucking the goat's here. Like, let's, you know, okay, I get to watch all of today's best players, and I get to watch Tiger Woods. And now we're just going to get to watch the world's best players, and I I think that's okay. It's, I, yeah. I'd certainly rather see Tiger, but I, I still think the golf this year is going to be great because, if we're being honest with ourselves, despite the people saying that Tiger was going to be competitive at Hoylake or had a great chance to be competitive, I think that was still less than 50% chance. Yeah. Of him, not just being competitive, but like making the cut. It, I, I feel like it's truly been like three years of Tiger, like, not being there in majors. You know, like I don't, I, you know, it's, man, he's not, dude, he's not good anymore. He's just not good anymore. You know, I mean, he is better than me, to be fair. Uh, even yeah. with one ankle, he's probably better than yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's way, yeah, he's way better than me. Come on, um, he's yeah, for sure better than me. But like, Let's say Tiger's playing like let's say Tiger is playing Don't. you know before the ankle injury at the Masters. Yeah. Let's say you guys the two of you go out and play around together. How many strokes do you feel like Tiger has to give you for you to have it you know be a match? I'm asking for 10. I'm, I want 5 aside. Are you kidding me? Tiger's very liable to shoot 65 on my face, dude. <laughs> and like and my yeah, so I I'll take 10. Thank you very much. He probably he probably I feel like I have more I have more faith in you to break seventy five than that. I have more faith in myself to break seventy five, but you know, I kinda wanna beat him. <laughs> so I, if he goes if he goes if he goes six, he's gonna whoop me. He's gonna whoop my ass if he's giving me six. So I'm gonna ask for ten on the first tee and I'm willing to go to eight, but I'll ask for ten. And realistically we'll probably do okay. seven and he'll probably he'll probably go three on the and I'll he'll probably say seven and I'll go find three on the front, four on the back, dude. <laughs> and then he'll be like, All right. <laughs> So how much better are the best players in the world than Tiger right now? So if Tiger has to give you 10, what are you asking for for, for Rory? Oh, wow. 14? Yeah, 14. Seven aside. Seven aside? Yeah, seven aside from Rory seems very real, dude. <laughs> and uh, Rory would be my... Are so good. Dude, you're, you're so good at golf. Like, I, I love playing with you because you're actually, as far as, as far as amateur golfers are concerned, you just have, a, like, you have all the shots in the bag. And it's it's very rare for a golfer as good as you to actually be as fun to play with as you are. Although, I, I mean, you know, maybe I just haven't played with enough, you know, really, really great golfers. But uh, to think that when I play with you that there's dudes out there that would dom you by 14 strokes feels kind of surreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that possible? Well, thank you for the compliment. But it's insane, like, like, I've heard it said before, I think, like, the gap between me and a ten handicap is smaller than the gap between me and a tour pro, which is like oh for sure, which is like a just a wild thing to wrap my head around. Like the, for context for everybody out there, like are you at like a plus two, plus three right now, I'm plus four, plus two and a half exactly. So I'm a plus two and a half right now. Okay, um, okay, I'm waiting for that to update. Yeah, I had a good week, so I had a good week, so I'm sure that'll get lower. But yeah, I'm a plus two and a half, and like they say that I am closer to a ten handicap than I am to a tour pro in skill. That is bonkers, dude. Cause, like, that is bonkers. That's just dumb. Like, I don't even, I can't, un, I, my brain can't understand that. Like, I don't understand what that even means, dude. Because I've never played with, like, well, I've played with Martin Trainer, who's a PGA Tour pro, and he whoops my ass every single time. Like, it was, I played with him probably four <laughs> times. And when I was playing with him, I was, like, a one handicap. I wasn't as good as I am now. And, I mean, yeah, he would shoot, like, 66 in my face, dude. Like, he, it was, it was, it was, didn't it just, it was easy, you know? And he was like, I I don't know the answer to this, but what like do do the tour pros keep up to date handicaps? No, I don't think any of them do, which is crazy. Huh? Yeah, be, I'd be very curious to know what Scotty Scheffler's handicap would be right now. Yeah, probably like a plus eight or something. I don't know. I mean, dude, you also have to think about like the courses they play. The rating is r- ridiculous. Like their course rating is like seventy eight. So like if they shoot a sixty seven with a one ninety four slope. Yeah, with like a one fifty one slope or something, or one fifty four slope and like a seventy eight <laughs> rating. So if they go out there and the guys that win shoot four sub sixty nine rounds. So that's like four 
sub 10 differential rounds like that's that's in like what is that dude like what your differential is minus 10 four days in a row like that's like what is like i don't even know what that is dude like like i like my lowest differential ever in a round has been like minus five and a half and i thought i like burned the place to the ground i'm surprised the place you know, it's still intact. <laughs> it's still there. I'm surprised it's still I, there, dude. Who could say? We don't. We don't know if it's still there. I'll have to just swing by Utah and check. But I like. I like. I was like, dude. I I absolutely crushed this place. Like this. I own this golf course. I am this golf course now. And these dudes are literally doubling that on like Pebble, like on like on like world <laughs> class like famous golf like at at Spyglass Hill. Like they're just doing that there. And I did it at some muni in Utah. Like it's it's, just, it's like not the same. <laughs> I I do feel like the PGA Tour's old slogan was so much better than live under par. Oh yeah. Like if they just kept it as these guys are good. I I don't know. There there's you know coming from nice grass, nice people. You know we we like subtlety, right? But yeah, uh, yeah that would have just been so. God, it would have been really awesome. Well, okay. Speaking of scorched earth. Speaking of just being you know just absolutely sending it. Uh, the last thing I want to make sure I get the chance to talk to you about while we're recording this podcast, is did you get a chance to take in any of that delightful, delightful golf tournament that was happening down under? The one that, uh, you know, was uh, the great Greg Norman was overseeing things, If I, unless I'm incorrect. Uh, there was some videos shared to the social medias. Uh, if, you know, if anybody out there listening doesn't know what I'm referring to, then... I don't know why you're still listening to this podcast, but uh, live. I think it's Adelaide. Adelaide uh, took Adelaide. place. At, yeah, Adelaide happened this past weekend. Uh, they did their best job to more or less recreate their version of the Phoenix Open. And I don't know. I was kind of curious if you had any thoughts. I didn't watch a lick. I didn't even watch Chase Kepka's hole in one. It got sent in like a bunch of my group texts. I was like, I don't need it. I don't know why. <laughs> I, it's not even like a moral high ground thing. I just, I think I was so golfed out from the Masters. I didn't see, dude. I didn't watch. A, I don't even know. I heard Taylor Gooch won. Actually, I have heard Taylor Gooch won, and I didn't know the four races won. They're just continuing their run of dominance. <laughs> I can't even say that. With you a know, face. Uh, Taylor Gooch did win despite shooting seventy three or seventy four in the final round. Oh wow! Because I think he opened sixty two, sixty two. Oh Jesus Christ! Did he really? Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, he did. He did. He did open sixty two sixty. I believe he went into the final round with a ten stroke lead. So oh, did he really? Big, big, big drama on the last day of individual play down at the Live Tournament uh, in Australia. Bro, a ten shot lead after thirty six holes is absurd. Good for him. That's Crazy. so sick. What the hell? I didn't know that. Ten shots after thirty six holes. I've there's never been a lead that big on the PGA Tour ever after thirty six. Well, it's holes. like you were just saying, like you know, to Tiger go out shoot sixty five. I mean. What do you got? And just all of a sudden, you know, one of these guys on a golf tournament, in a golf course that's pretty hard is, you know, set up for tour pros. 62 is like, yeah, right. Do that again. 62. You're like, fuck. So, I mean, just back God. to that exact same thing we were talking about. That's probably like a minus 12 or 13 differential on back-to-back days. Like, what's – and Taylor yeah, Gooch right? and Taylor Gooch <laughs> is like – what when he was on the PJ tour because that's the only way I can like contextualize. Like, I think he was ranked like 30th, yeah. 30th or 40th, some, somewhere in that range on the PJ tour. Very good, but closer to the middle than he was to the top, right? Of the PJ tour, yeah. And his and he has back to back days of like a minus 13 differential. Like that's that doesn't make sense, dude. Like that, I don't that would break the handicap system, I think. Like, yeah, you have a five yeah, handicap that... would need a shot a hole, which is insane to think about. Like some dude that could uh, that was liable to shoot seventy seven. That's me when I'm playing good. Yeah, who's liable to shoot something in the <laughs> mid seventies would need a shot a hole. Like that's crazy, dude. Like that, and would probably lose. <laughs> Honestly, dude, the way that I played golf on Friday, I would a shot a hole would not be enough. Yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> no, that's insane, no, dude. That's insane. Yeah. It, well, it's funny, man, because uh, obviously I've just been kind of you know predisposed to just kind of write off most of the live tournaments. Now I'm just not interested like you. I didn't really, I didn't watch any of this, this lift tournament. I have watched an hour or two of lift tournaments in the past just to kind of see what's up and kind of get a few giggles in. And um, I didn't watch much of this one, but I was pretty surprised. So I, we actually mentioned this very briefly. I, I do like to peruse around Reddit from time to time, yeah. and uh, you know, by time to time, I mean, you know, usually for 
20 minutes, you know, when I'm using the restroom in the morning, then maybe a little bit before I go to bed at night, whatever it might be. And I saw several, not one, not several posts on Reddit, I, I believe in the golf community, which is kind of a toxic place, but it's also hilarious if you got the right mindset. But yeah, I digress. There were a lot of posts of people saying, honestly, man, I didn't know what to expect. Amazing experience. Loved it. Live golf. I'm now a fan. Like, I thought they did a great job putting on this tournament. And I was reading all these kind of, you know, rolling my eyes a little bit. But I do think it struck a nerve in that Australia is such a great golf. I mean, other than Scotland, is there anywhere that you'd rather take a golf trip in the entire world than Australia and New Zealand? No, Australia for sure is the is the highest on the list for sure. Like, that's... Like, Australia loves golf. Like, they they are golf junkies down there. They're stars. Uh, a larger percentage of the population plays golf than America, right? Even though America has more golf courses than any country on earth, and I believe more than every other country on earth combined, right? So, Australia is a bigger golfing audience. The PGA Tour, more or less, outside of the President's Cup from 2019, doesn't really make any kind of an effort to get down there. Live, I think, understood that. They went down. They played a tournament there. They got a huge reception. Those people are starving for world-class golf, some of the best players to come, and just play in front of them once or twice a year, right? I mean, even when the Australia Open happens, uh, and that's, at, I think, Victoria Golf Club in Kingston. He, it's like it's yeah. some of the best golf courses in the world. And you still get Adam Scott and maybe Cam Smith to go play, and nobody else. Harold Varner and won it, it a couple years ago. Yeah, and, and so it got me thinking, because I, I mentioned earlier that I did want to talk a little schedule stuff before we, we took off. How does a PGA Tour fix that? Like, how how do we get it so like, at least you know once a year, or at least once every other year, like the best players in the world get down to play like a meaningful golf tournament in Australia? Because that's the other thing, they would get to play some of the best golf courses in the world. Yeah, I mean, there's so much good golf down there. Like, where they played this golf tournament, uh, I'm sorry, can you give me the pronunciation again? Adelaide. 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 Um, that's not that's not in Melbourne. That's not in Sydney. That's got. I mean, it's. It's southern Australia, but it's kind of a little bit more west. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't. It it's not the most populous place in Australia. It's not where you would think to have a big golf tournament, let alone the only one on your calendar if you live. And it just got me thinking. Like, I would really love to see the PGA Tour find a way to at least every other year put like a designated event. Like, can we have a designated event that just rotates internationally every year? It's where like yeah. every other year it's in Australia, and every other year. I mean, I know they did the. Uh, <laughs> what is it the the world I oh mean see it, they're already gone the uh, WGCs world in Mexico for these last yeah. Week. yeah the WGCs thank you my brain is fucked after this weekend you're fine um, <laughs> like the WGC was in Mexico but like is there any way that PGA Tour can do a designated event internationally once a year and maybe switch it up so we, the guys can go to Australia once in a while because the scene down there I I don't think a PGA Tour event would be like an Australian Phoenix Open, I don't think they'd want to make it like that. But I think the Australian crowds by themselves will just bring a lot of energy mm-hmm. and probably in a really cool way that makes it unlike anything they have on the PGA Tour. Um, whereas it, it seems like this live tournament, they were more or less trying to make it be like a mini Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, am, I, am I overthinking this too much? Should I should I not be so concerned about the, the golfing public in Australia? No, I think you're, I think you should be, and I think for a golf-starved country like Australia, that we should the PGA Tour should find a way to try to address that. The best way, I think, an issue with going to Australia is that I don't think a lot of sponsors want to sponsor an event in Australia, and so I think it's hard for hmm. the PGA Tour to like put on an event when it's not being sponsored. But I think, I think this would be a like. This, to me, is a no-brainer for the PGA Tour. I think the PGA Tour should sponsor an event every year that travels. And then it's basically just like an, an advertisement for the PGA Tour to whatever country you go to. So instead of it being yeah. like, you know, in China, the HSBC Champions when w- that was in China, you know, or like the WGC Mexico Championship when that was there or um, whatever, you know. Like CJ Cup in Korea. CJ Cup in Korea, right? Instead of it being sponsored by some business, it should just be... I mean, this is going to sound, it almost sounds lame as I say it, but, you know, we could workshop this. But, like, you know, like the Washington football team was just the football team. It could just be, like, the PGA Tour event in Australia, the PGA Tour event in Singapore. Like, you know, and then you'd name the golf course, right? Like, the PGA Tour at Royal Melbourne. Like, the PGA Tour at whatever the golf course is is in Kuala Lumpur. Sure. Or, like, the the PGA Tour event 
on like Jeju Island in Korea, you know? And then it's just like, oh. it's just like a roaring that, nice advertisement for the, the PGA Tour. And then you don't like, hey, I got you, I got you. Um, but like, you know, you can do that <laughs> and then travel, take that event around the world, do it in the fall, right? Do it in the off season, uh, air quotes, off season. And then make it one of those things where like, maybe it's not a full designated event, but like the best players in the world have to play in one every other year. So you could look and be like, man, I don't want to travel to Australia, but I'm down to travel to Japan. Or I don't want to go to Singapore, but I'll go to the Spain one, you know? And then they just kind of bounce around and go to different countries and just use it as like a, like I said, like an advertisement for the PGA Tour, right? Like, hey, check it out. This is, this is, this is what it is, you know? I think that, I think that'd be a great yeah. idea. And then they would, they wouldn't, I don't know if the PGA Tour can afford to do that and like sponsor their own event, but it seems like a no-brainer to me to just go to places that are golf-starved like that and just kind of grow their brand a little bit and their presence in the world golf scene. Yeah, I you know, it's um if we're keeping it specific to Australia, I it's tough like you mentioned because it's the air quotes off season. Right. You know, and uh I believe the Australian Open takes place at the end of November, beginning of December, yep. you know, with the hemisphere change, you know, that everything's reversed, so Spring. you know, middle summer down there. Exactly. Um, and so I wonder if they could at some point, if they do decide to put something in Australia, make it so it's kind of like, you know, when the Open Championship takes place, they always have the couple lead into it. You know, they always have the Scottish Open right before it, right? Or they, you know, If they do an event down there, it'd be cool to have them pair it up and have it be back-to-back weeks with the Australian Open so it would give all the guys, hey, if you're going to fly 16 hours, 20 if you're coming from the East Coast, you know, let's let's stay for a couple weeks. You can get a couple events in, maybe get a chance to shake some hands, potentially earn some additional sponsor opportunities in a different time zone or a different, you know, hemisphere. I I, I don't know. I, I think long term it would be really good. And given the reaction that I saw online of people praising this live golf tournament and thinking to myself, man, can you imagine how fucking stoked these people would be if it was just a proper golf tournament? No, it'd be insane. <laughs> Dude, I I just thought of this. I just this just crossed my mind. You just made that you yeah. made that point and I thought it was great. They should do national opens. So like the PGA Tour should sponsor one national open a year. So if it's like the Kenya Open or like the Spanish Open or the Australian Open or the J- Japanese Open, like they every country has their own open. The PGA Tour should sponsor one and just flood it with PGA Tour players. Be like, "Hey man, do you have Or you know what they really should do? Like if you wanted to make it even easier is that the PGA Tour, because aren't they supposed to be doing this thing with the DP World Tour and everything else where they're kind of like working with all the other organizations to make it a little bit more global? Why don't they just offer fucking big boy FedEx Cup points to all the national opens? Exactly. Give like, you don't you don't have to mandate them, but anybody who's out there is like, damn, dude, there's like four, I don't know, is 400 FedEx points a lot? I think so. Is that what like a winner gets? I think so, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. winner of this tournament's getting 400 FedEx Cup points. Get after it. Go for it. Be so and, sick. you know, obviously there's play, still going to be plenty of guys that aren't going to do it, but there's going to be enough guys where, again, how many of the top players in the world were down there at this live tournament? Three? Yeah. Four? Right? If you put, you know, a lot of FedEx Cup points on the line for these national opens, you're going to get four, five, maybe ten of the best 50 players in the world showing up. And that would be awesome, man. And it would just be great to have live golf like late at night yeah. kind of like the opposite like instead of coffee golf you got cocktail golf yeah dude. late in the evening it's unreal I'm, I'm into it i'm super into it as yeah, well I, would f- I think that's i think that's the move right to give Fed- fedex cup points to national opens i've tried to monday qualify into the mexican open dude it was at tj country club right down the road yeah I've, you're you're you know, home away from home. home away from home so yeah i mean I'd, how cool would it be if i was at the range that day and jordan spieth was just there also I'd also I'd feel like very much like a fish out of water, but it would just be awesome, you know. That's an easy one too. Like imagine, like I bet a lot of guys would go play the Mexico Open. A lot of guys would obviously go play the Canada Open. That's a PJ Tour event. Uh, like the Brazil Open was an event. The Peru Open was an event. These are all events on the Latin America Tour. They're already somewhat PJ mm-hmm. Tour sanctioned, sanctioned. Give those boys FedEx Cup points, and who cares? Like if there's some guy that like only like that's his only FedEx Cup opportunity, so he makes 31 points. Like he's not going to get into the playoffs, you know. That's the whole point of the playoffs, though, is like to if you give more people opportunity to gain points and the playoffs have more meaning, right? Because then your the po- right. the points, your accumulation of points over the course of a season means something, you know? So I don't know. I think that's a no brainer. I think that's a no brainer, man. Well, my friend, I, I think we've been very productive here tonight. I, th- I think, I think we've solved a lot of things. I'm going to finish uh, producing this podcast. I'm going to package it, wrap it, send it to Jay Monahan. So you can have some some stuff to chew on here, and I think we've 
We've done all of golf a great service tonight, and uh, I want to thank you for your leadership that you've shown here tonight. Yeah, I, I will, I'll make sure not to skip the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of next podcast, um, so obviously we got uh, got uh, my buddy coming in for next week. I've got a little something else planned for either later next week or the week after, but I believe you and I are going to be back here to preview the PGA Championship, which is taking place in just a couple of weeks, is it not? It is. A couple of weeks here in May. Coming up real soon. Real, real quick. I, I mean, I still have a lot of research to do, but I don't really know much about Oak Hill. Did, 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 what's your Oak Hill knowledge like pre-tournament research? I think they're lucky that the Northeast had a mild winter. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> Could be snow on the ground in May, dude. That happens. Uh, I don't know anything about Oak Hill. I don't even know who designed okay. it. Is it a Rainer? I don't know who. I don't know. I don't know anything about Oak Hill as a as a. Go, as a I I, uh, I don't want to show my ass too much, but uh, you know, everybody will hear all of my just incredible dearth of Oak Hill knowledge uh, in the coming weeks after I've had a opportunity to learn a little more about it because right now I know I'm excited I'm excited well. to do a little bit more research and we can both bring. I, I, I know that everybody keeps saying it's a, a great little, course for Rory. Something. Was it? I know it's long. That'd be the most. I know it's narrow. Like, like I said, everybody keeps saying it's a great course for Rory, but PGA Championship. Let's see. I mean, I hope he does. I hope he does. I mean, it would be great to see him win. At this point, just winning any major would be fucking awesome for Rory. I mean, the Green Jacket would be the creme de la creme, but man, just to see him get back in the winner's circle at a major would feel really good. I, I'm. But keep the fingers crossed. Me too. So I'm looking at it now. It is a uh, it's a Donald Ross course. I'm yep. uh let's see. Oh my god. Jason Duffner won the last PGA championship there in twenty thirteen. Oh, that was Duff's that win. That was Duff's win, dude. And Sean McKeel. Holy shit. Okay, I remember the Sean McKeel shot. Um so okay. Did you know Duff is still out there grinding? God, good on him, dude. Good on him. I, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to recently where they were talking a little bit about Duff's career where like He's still getting out there, like, Monday qualifying, and, like, he hasn't finished, like, inside, like, the top 60 in, like, a single event in, like, the last year, but he's playing in, like, 30 or 40 events a year, and it's just either miscutting or just barely making the cut and then just <laughs> collected, like, a, you know, relatively speaking, small check uh, by PGA Tour standards at the end of the week, and I got to admit, I, f- I love that. I love the fact he's like, no, dude, I'm not giving this life up. I play. I'm a gamer. It's so sick, dude. It's so sick. It's sick. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of dudes that are still out there grinding, dude, just kind of a quick tangent before we end this. Uh, Please. I am playing in a U.S. Open qualifier on Thursday. Great. uh, I'm very excited. A little place called La Purissima in Lompoc. Maybe a few of you have heard of it. I have heard. Yeah, I I have heard of La Parisma. I have not had a chance to play it. Have you played there before? No, I'm going up tomorrow. So I'll play tomorrow and Wednesday. Okay. And then then get ready. But, uh, there's a there's a gentleman in the field by the name of Charlie Wee who lost in a playoff this week on the Champions Tour, and I was like, wow, look at mm. Charlie Wee out here, grinding to get into the U.S. Open. Like I respect this hell, I respect the hell out of that. By the way, did you see that there was a record number of entrants for the U.S. Open this year, and that normally they've they this is only the second time they've ever had more than ten thousand people enter to try to qualify for the U.S. Open. The only other time. I believe it was at Pebble Beach, and usually they only get that. You know, they only they see their record number of applications and you know entries when they go to play Pebble Beach. Essentially, everybody wants to qualify for when the U.S. Open goes to Pebble Beach. It is odd, you know, that it's you know like a one-off you know site in terms of L.A. Country Club, but it also doesn't feel that surprising because I don't know, it's L.A. Man, it's like the U.S. Open in the entertainment capital of the world. You and and ten thousand other you know. Young gentleman, old gentleman, in Charlie's case, uh, getting ready to go do battle. I'm, I'm stoked. I, I cannot wait for all the qualifying news to come down. I, it, I may have to bring you back on just for like ten minutes next week, just, to, just, to, just to get a recap of the qualifier to see how things are shaking out so far. I am, uh, I'm super confident in my game. So hopefully, I have really good news. I had a great, like I said, I had a great week last week. Shot a bunch of good scores. I feel like I'm rolling into it. I had a really good practice session today. So I, uh, I have never gotten through U.S. Open local qualifying. Um, so th- this is attempt number what for you? This is attempt number, I am 30. This is attempt number seven. The closest okay. I've ever come, uh, I was one shot out at Yokodihi 
in like mm-hmm. 2014 or something, 2015. Uh, no, I was, yeah. I was post-college, so 2016, I was one shot out at Yokodihi. I started on 10, birdied 10, 11, 12, and then just steered the ship in. Uh, was even on the ninth tee. Um, hit a good drive, just caught the left-hand rough. Pin was front right, hit this awesome, like, nine iron, like, just kind of chunked it out of the rough that, like, trundled up there to, like, six feet. Missed the birdie putt, tapped in for par, didn't think anything of it, get up there, and if I would have made the birdie, I would have been in. And I was like, no, I didn't know. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't know. I didn't, that was before the days of Golf Genius scoring, you know? So that was before the days of, like, <laughs> looking at your phone and having the live leaderboard update. I was just trying to play good golf. Um, uh, and I remember I three-putted seven, that par three, like the Redan par three at Yokodihi. Mm-hmm. Hit the green front right, yep. blew my putt, like, eight feet by, and three-putted it. And I was like, okay, whatever. So it was even, whatever, going to nine was yeah i thought i was out i was like man if i'm even par if i'm even par there's probably a bunch of guys going crazy out here right now and then uh one under got in one under got in so all those other guys didn't start out birdie 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 yeah that was actually sick birdie 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 10 chipped it to like a foot on 10 made birdie uh hit a good one hit like a 30 footer on 11 and then made like a 10 footer on 12 i was like damn dude what a start i was like this is cool i was like this is cool Love that. I, and I also like that golf course. You know, it's uh, not my favorite, but I do I do like that golf course. I, I I do really enjoy that place. It's it's very fun. I think it is it is a fun golf. But you know, everybody loves places where they have good memories. So, <laughs> yeah, yep, that is very very true. Now, for for a layman like myself, and sorry, I, I know we keep on trying to wrap this podcast up, but I just keep wanting to talk to you. So, if you get through local qualifying, how many more qualifiers do you need to get through to get to the to the show so it's local qualifying then it's sectional qualifying so local qualifying there's like 80 sites around the country there's like a bunch of them yep and they take like whatever mm-hmm. two or three guys from each local qualifying then it's sure. sectional qualifying which is done by region so there's like a west coast a south a southeast a northeast and like a midwest there's like five lo- there's five sectionals and those are the ones where you always hear people talk about like the longest day in golf you know there's that yes. one in, there's that one in ohio that all the tour pros go to that's like basically a tour yep. event to do one in Texas this year they're doing it in LA for the West Coast the perennial host on the West Coast was always Lake Merced Golf Club they would do mm-hmm. 36 that was always like the the section the West Coast sectional one um but this year they're doing it at Hillcrest in LA probably to keep with yeah. the LA vibe so Dude, if I get through local sick. I will go to Hillcrest and play high high on the bucket oh, list Hillcrest is for, for me. sure and I hope I get through just to just to have a to have a chance and then B, just to have a 36-hole day at Hillcrest sounds like a just very, very fun. You know, it just sounds like a really fun day. Uh, and yeah. and uh, But, yeah, I, I am feeling good. La Parisima is supposedly a tough track, so something around even par one under always gets in. Um, mm-hmm. My iron plays strong right now. My putting strong. I hit every single fairway in my round yesterday, which is always a good start. So I, I think that might be a good sign. Yeah, I think that's so. I don't know. I've, yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I think I have a... As good a shot as I've ever had of getting through. So I'm. I'm I'll say the game feels good. The golf clubs have got to look and feel good. You got new grips on put them. New grips. I think we were saying right before the podcast. Grips, even if it came at a cost. Put new grips on them today. Sliced my finger open, but it's fine. It's I super glued my finger closed. Freddie Couples taught me that if you get cuts on your finger and you don't want it to expect your golf game, just super glue it. So I have a glob of super glue on my thumb right now, and I, and we're good, dude. I don't even feel the pain. We're my, we're it, it doesn't seem to have affected your podcast output, <laughs> so I, I think I, I got a good start. But you know what? If I can just keep my output this high on everything I do, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Well, with that being said, my friend, let's put a bow on this. Best of luck to you on Thursday. Me and the rest of the nice grass, nice people, really all the nice people listening to this podcast are going to be pulling for you, man. I, I, I cannot wait to get an update. And hope, 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 hope you'll be coming back on with some good news. That you are heading to Hillcrest. Maybe I maybe I'll put the uh, maybe I'll put the link to the leaderboard up on my Instagram story for anyone that wants to follow yes. along. So if any of you guys want to follow, yeah, along. Where, where do I? If somebody listening to this is not following you right now, where where do they find Krister on the on, on social it's, media? It's uh, my Instagram is it's Chris Dare. So uh, that's me, and uh, I'm a public profile, <laughs> so you can just follow me immediately. But yeah, how about that? I'll do that on Thursday. I'll put the link up to the leaderboard. Uh, so you guys can follow along because it'll be live updating and everything. So I always send it out to like my family group text and stuff because they always want to see what's going on. So maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll blast it on the socials and and you guys can all root for me and and uh, killer 
tune into what's going on. Hopefully good stuff. Fuck yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, Chris, a pleasure as always. I love you, brother. Best of luck on Thursday. And uh, all right, until next time. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me, man. I will talk to you soon. Man, isn't that guy just... God, isn't he just the best? Uh, Chris, thank you as always for coming on, my friend. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, one last little thing I uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention is that this podcast, this exact episode, is proudly presented to each and every listener by Suave Golf. Visit suavegolf.com. There you can find some products and trips and other things that are related uh, very closely related to people who enjoy I guess it's not related to those people I and mean, not their cousins or your uncle you know, the, but there are products there in the form of golf trips apparel and golfing accessories that go hand in hand and are meant to appeal and be very useful to those of you who enjoy nice grass nice people and nice games that is suavegolf.com. All right, everybody. We will be back next week. Be very interesting to see what the Warriors and Kings do in Game 5. We might have to come with you, uh, come back with a short little post-game of some sort if we're feeling motivated. Got to keep our eyes on all things NBA playoffs. Man, the Grizzlies. These guys just can't get out of their own way. All right, enough basketball talk. We'll see you guys next week. Until next time, adios. <laughs>